This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, did you know that incentive pay plans are both monetary and non-monetary? Your business must be profitable, have a clear vision with the right culture set in place for incentive plans to even work. How are benefits, bonuses, and incentive plans different? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, it's Carm Capriato working hard to advance the aftermarket for you. Keep listening and find out how to incentivize your employees to achieve their dreams. Thanks to our partner, Shopware, for providing you this episode. Can you really order the right tie rods in 40 seconds? Well, yes, you can. Discover no fret, no sweat ordering with Shopware. Now, you'll wonder how you ever worked with a clunky menu within other automotive repair software. See my friends and on the web at GetShopware.com. Let's see who's with us. Dave Shadeen, the CEO, coach, and a mentor at Computech Automotive Solutions. Hello, Dave. Hi. Great to be here, Carm. I love being on the show, and I love being in the same room with actually Carlo and Brian, too. So much respect for what they do in the industry. Carlo's got this in drive and intentionality, I find, in few shop owners. And Brian Kelly's he's like E.F. Hutton. Remember the old E.F. Hutton, e. Hutton commercials? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. When Brian speaks, listen to what he says. He's, he's got some great insight. And I know that about Brian, and I know that about Carlo, my biggest fan, by the way, and I'm always so grateful of that. I always hear about his commute and how much he enjoys what we do here. Carlo Sabuco from Sills Complete Auto Care, Oakville, Ontario, just north of me, about 90 miles. Afternoon, everyone. Thanks, Carm. And uh, one of these things that, yes, I, I am still a Carm fan, remarkable results fan every day, uh, five days a week for my drive home. So I have a tendency to chew up podcasts pretty good. <laughs> and I do them all for you, just for you. Every time I open the mic, I have this avatar of Carlo in my mind and that I'm speaking to him. It makes her a good drive, even like today's topic. You know, there's some podcasts that you had that changed mindsets, you know, a couple months ago. So every podcast has a tidbit of information. Listen to learn one thing. God, that's a cool signature line. I love that. Brian Kelly, Valley Automotive Electric, Covington, Washington, past chairman of Northwest Auto Care Alliance. Uh, all of you are great friends of the podcast. Hi, Brian. Howdy, howdy. Well, Carm, thank you. And, uh, you know, definitely a pleasure to be on here with both uh, Carlo and Dave, you know, so I'm just uh, glad to see you guys. And although I don't have nearly the commute uh, Carlo has, uh, I've uh, I spent my fair time listening to the show as well. So definitely always a pleasure. Hey, guys, we're here to talk about incentive pays for technicians. And as I reached out to Dave, he says, Carm, this should not just be the last time we need to talk about other positions in the company. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little later on today uh, as as we tell you what, what's coming up. And Dave's going to come back and we're going to do more of these shows based on the positions in the company. But, you know, I don't know, Dave, where do you start, you know, as, as an owner, you know, is it the, uh, the horse before the cart or the cart before the horse? There's so, there's so much to do in coming up with a plan. And guys, I'm kind of interested in, are there modified salary programs with salaries and some flat rate? I mean, how does it all blend together? How do we incentivize the team so that they're become great earners and players in our company? That's a great question. Um, along with the other five that you bundled all in one nice, neat question. I do that. <laughs> At one time. <laughs> yeah, good radio <laughs> announcers always do that. Um, don't know if I remember every question, but I'll answer as much as I can. And there's a mindset before you look at anything, how to motivate somebody is you really need to understand at one level, motivation is not just monetary. Motivation is more based in relationship. It's more based in your culture, it's more based in the attributes that empower that person to do the job at the best level. But at one level, it does require money. It does require financial reward for that person. And that financial reward comes from a place of just the straight dollar amount, hourly, you know, performance-based pay, all the different realms that are in our industry that, that revolve around that. And then it also comes with a very robust benefit package, which can also be performance-based pay that they get those. So when it really comes down to, since dollars are going to be part of it, it's not the main focus, but the dollar amounts means shop owners, you got to be profitable. And you got to be profitable now, specifically in your labor. I don't know, Carm, I'd sent you a picture earlier. I don't know if you were, saw that picture I sent, the difference between a BMW engine and a, and a Tesla motor and the difference of parts hanging on it. 
in seven to 10 years now, when we have more EV vehicles in our bays, there's not as many replaceable parts, which means your business model needs to be sustainable, growable, expandable based on labor. You need to be profitable labor. And for our industry, and I'm going to open up a Pandora's box here. Our industry is what created our technician shortage. Not the tech schools went away, not the government pulled programs away. That's basic business, supply and demand. We have not made our industry look attractive at all to the younger generation. We have not said, hey, this is a lucrative career. And we basically said, we're going to pay you a minimum wage, let you clean toilets for the first couple of years. It'll be 10 years before you get a $5 raise. And then we're still looking at master level techs paying them, you know, maybe 30, 35 bucks an hour. Some of the really good shops realize that. But if we're not going to pay tax 50 to $70 an hour at performance-based pay levels or more, and entry-level apprentice tax at 25 to 30 bucks an hour for apprentices, we are always going to have a technician shortage. I love where you're going with this. I love it. I want to go deeper, but I've got that picture. We, Tracy was able to bring it up. There's the picture. Look at all the parts hanging on that BMW motor. There's a lot of labor hours. There's a lot of parts profit on that, right? Look at the Tesla motor. You got two parts. You got the main motor and a couple of cables. You, you don't have a lot of parts, which means your labor's going to be challenged in the volume, but your parts volume is going to go rapidly go down, as well as labor rates have greatly outproduced in accelerating their amounts versus parts pricing. We've got to be profitable on our labor. We've got to be able to have the mindset, and we have a, a in-depth uh, labor calculator now that we do in our training. We introduced it ATE Northwest uh, in April in Seattle. And if you ever been to one of those, make sure you get to one of those. But that calculator, we build in what a lot of shops or coaches will call burden load. We build in some of the unspoken burden load right into your labor rate, your courtesy reliability inspection, all that be profitable. But we've got to start paying at the core base technicians earning 50 to 70 bucks an hour. Or more. The technicians, good technicians need to make 125 to 150 grand a year. Guy out of college can, or gal can go to school, two year program in computer science, graduate, buy a $2,000 to $3,000 fully equipped laptop, and start making 35 to 40 bucks an hour as a computer tech. Our industry, when the tech has to own 75 to $100,000 worth of tools and all the ongoing training, all make some models. We've got to take care of our own. We've got to take care of our technicians and pay the hourly part of that is just part of that. The comments that Brian had made about the culture, what do we offer? Why is it better to be a tech in your location versus somebody else's? What do you offer them? And Brian, if you could take a couple minutes and speak to that, it'd be awesome. Oh, I'd love to. And I, I, there was one other thing you said in there too, which is, you know, you talked about us doing a disservice to our own brand, I guess, as you would say, when you talk about what we did to the technicians and not making it a, a place that looks like you want to work there. And, yeah. you know, we, as we, as owners, we, as those in the business need to take some credit for that as well as, you know, we did have a lot of other factors and there has been a push against blue collar for a long time, you know, where we need to make our locale look just as inviting as somebody who's going to go into any other trade as well as somebody who's going to work in white collar. We have to show them that there are dollars to be made. There's a lot that we have to do to build up our brands, not brand as in our specific brand, but the brand of the industry. Yes. And, and I think it's critical that all of us as owners know that. And I, I hate to say this, but the culture you're going to see from the, the big manufacturers in some cases is far worse than you're going to see in your independent shops. And we have to combat what they're putting out there as well to show that we are different. We, we really are a place you want to work. And there's, there's something to be said about working for family-owned business. There's something to be said for working for businesses that actually care about people. And, and the more we can instill that mindset, the more we can change how people see what we're doing. You know, so it's, it's critical. And as you were talking about that, I, I just, my mind goes racing, just trying to make sure that we, we look that much more appealing because we, we really do care. And, you know, having, having been all across the state, having been all across Idaho, Oregon, you know, all that I've, all that I've done with Northwest Auto Care Alliance, uh, meeting the shops, they, they really do live this, but 
I often see we don't display it and we don't we don't yeah. show others outwardly and and we need to do it and it reminds me of a time I went into uh, one of our local schools and this is just local high school and I started talking to the you know the CTE director then I started talking to a different counselor and explaining what we pay our technicians explaining how we pay explaining how lucrative it really is and and their minds are just blown each of us you know and this is a grassroots thing if each of us in our small areas aren't reaching out to these places and we are not talking. The pipeline never gets filled. Unfortunately, there's a, a shop, you know, less than 40 miles from mine that uh, he just closed his doors because he couldn't find employees because he couldn't attract people to his business. How does that start to unravel in the next 10 years? It's worried when I, I say to myself, how do I come up with a pay plan? But if I can't find an employee to come up with a pay, pay plan for, I'm in even deeper trouble. These are just those core facts that immediately come out to me. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent there, Dave, but no, uh, where, where did you want me to go? Culture, it outperforms technical training, you know, or technical aspect of things by far. If you have people that work for you, if you care, they know. If you mm -hmm. don't care, they know. A, your employees, if you want them to stick around, which I think most of us do, they're, they're kind of they're hard to come by these days. If, if that's the base factor in mine, I take it even another level. I, I really do care about every employee that works for me. And I want to see the best for them, whether that's working for me or possibly somewhere else. But I want, always want the best for them. And when you talk about culture, if you start from that frame of reference, I care about my employees. Everything else starts to heal itself. You always start from that concept. And you build your culture from that point. In my business, we work from, it's a four piece. You know, there's, there's four things that everybody's responsible for, and they all have to be in balance. And that is, we're responsible to the business. We're responsible to the outside customer. We're responsible to the inside customer. And we're responsible to our vendors. If we can take care of all four of those things, the business is always in balance. And then you can serve your community. From that perspective that we take our culture, whether we're making some kind of an internal purchase, whether we are trying to build, we'll talk about a compensation plan. We know that a compensation plan has to leave enough money for the business to be profitable. I don't care which, who I'm talking to in the business, we talk about profit. It has, to, it has to allow the business to be profitable. It has to allow my technician, you know, in this case, we're talking about technicians, has to allow my technician to make more than just a modest income. They have to make enough of an income that they want to stay there, that they're not looking for another place to go, that no matter how you look at it, they're being paid a rate that is within industry average or more, especially when you start adding in your benefit packages. And, and so that balance has to show up, but even more so, you still have to be competitive to the customer. And then you still have to be able to pay your vendors when you're done. One of the most elegant, articulated words of fear is, well, I have to be fair market value. That's just, <laughs> that's just, that's yeah. just a very nice package set of fear. You know, yeah. and what happens is, is, you know, our industry was hamstring. I spoke this at ATE as a, one of the keynotes is, is that our industry, our forefathers had a choice about oil change pricing and they went for the cheap route. And then because of that, that, scarcity mindset has been applied to what we pay our tax, what we yes. do for our tax. And Carlo is a leader in the industry. He recently did something with his tax that blew me away. You know, we send tax away for training. Carlo had a different approach for that. If you'd speak to that, Carlo, why your shop is a shop that tech should want to work in because of what you just recently did for them. Thanks, Dave. When it comes to incentive, I'm going to take a step back. When we got the topic for this, it's incentive pay for technicians. So I look as incentivizing technicians as both monetary and non-monetary. It has to be all part of the package. So we want to come up with ideas for shop owners to incentivize their pay plans, um, money in the technician's pocket for their family. We also need to find bullets in the gun, if you want to call it that, for other non-monetary incentive plans. And the training is one of them that we do, which is uh, the evenings and weekends. And I see a lot of shop owners. And I again, all my ideas come from listening to these podcasts and implementing them. And one of them was, we don't do evenings, we don't do weekends. And it took time, but now we do private training. Shut the shop down for four days, two consecutive weeks in a row, and hired a private training company for only my people. And it was a one-on-one, -on -one, cars set up, everything was done. And then when you start to bring that into the hiring, 
I'm all about the initial interview with an employee. That's where all incentives start from. If you want to talk incentive pay, incentive program, again, another podcast takeaway, the compensation plan pay is only one piece of it. Compensation plan packages the big picture. It starts at the interview stage. And being able to say that we do private training is a really big part of it. One of our employees uh, was looking to make a change and we had to come up with a better incentive plan for it. So we laid down a 10-year employment program for them with all the incentives set up for the next 10 years. It's a young individual, just like we discussed earlier in this don't misunderstand young people nowadays. It's not just um, working on cars that they can make income at. Some of these individuals are smart. The young technicians who are got their stuff together, they can make very good money in other industries. One young lad I have does very well in cryptocurrency. He knows the markets. So he's like, Carlo, why should I stay turning wrenches when I can go into the market and make more? And I can do it with a computer. That's a real challenge. That's a real challenge as a shop owner when you get an employee that comes to you and says, "What's my ten-year plan here?" If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit. Go with the team that created DVX, my friends, at GetShopware.com. The first thing that hit me, guys, was the top picture says wrench to me, and the bottom picture says technology to me. Yes, that's exactly what it is. You're painting them a vision. And I love this foundational discussion that we're having. It's not that I need you to be a wrench here forever. I need you to be a white lab coat person because, man, you're going to be playing with networks and CAN buses or whatever they're going to call it someday. It can. Does that mean Canada, by the way, CAN bus? That doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? It came from a, I, I, there's a gentleman who has a Tesla facility, Gruber Motors in the United States, does a lot of Tesla stuff. I follow him on YouTube and he put out a technician video. He says, who's the next generation of technicians? And I actually agree with what he's saying. It's not about hanging parts. We're software development IT people that we're looking for. If you can hang brakes, that's not who we're after. Again, it goes back to the hiring process. When we talk about incentive pay plans for technicians, you have to have a game book on that one-on-one interview. Are you incentivizing for a B-tech, which is fine? Are you incentivizing a pay plan for an apprentice? Or like Dave was saying in our notes, master level technician. How do you want your shop set up? Just because we talk incentive pay plans, it doesn't mean that all employees on our team should get the same pay plan. You know, one of the comments that I made is uh, when we do our interviews, our one-on-ones, as owners, we should almost have a menu of incentive pays. Okay, an apprentice. So here's the 10 options I can Mm -hmm. give for for an apprentice. Here's 10 options for a BTEC. Here's 10 options for a level A. They may not even be related. And guys, when I talk about incentive pay plans... Vacation, benefits, sick days, tool allowance are not incentives. They're not. Those are expectations. You're, you're looking to pull good people away from other places. Most other places probably have those things. So that's not an incentive. It's an expectation that I, uh, you don't have that stuff. So that's just how I see it in my shop. But it starts at the beginning. And incentive pay plans typically come from asking right out of the Dave handbook, what do I have to incentify you and your family to achieve your dreams? I want to go to Disney. I want to go to a hunting lodge. That's the incentive pay plan. How do we get you to get there? And it's written and put in accountability. That's my incentive. In a sense, you're not hiring a technician. You're basically hiring a career. You're hiring a lifestyle. Just like with Mr. and Mrs. Jones with the car. 
well, why do we go into the the technicality of the car and rest of that, if you don't end that sentence on the peace of mind they're looking for, you'll never get there. When you're hiring people, if you don't give the peace of mind they're looking for, and it may be, you know what, when people come to a job, number one, they're looking for security, a healthy emotional environment to be in. Number two, longevity. You know, I see resumes all the time. Every two years, they're, they're moving. Oh, this guy's not working. He's going to move every two years. Well, you know, he's looking for something. Did you ask the question? Hey, I've noticed you've bounced around on your resume. You know, every two years, you like take a job shift. What would it take for you, for us to be your for life place of career? Not employment, but career. What is it that's going to, what would keep you in a place for 10, 15, 20 years? And that's that great question, Carla. It's like, what is it? What's your dream? What's your why? And if we're not hiring to the why, we're going to get somebody who why doesn't doesn't match up with the why of the position. And, but you know, and, you're, and you're going to be fighting the whole way through that career. You know, he said something else in there, Dave, that it could be a mind shift for many. And that is you've got a plan, Carlos. You have a plan yes. to create. How many people don't have a basic plan? We're going to pay you whatever we think, you know, and, and Dave, I know you don't like this word, but it's, what do we think market rate is? You know, and, and that's, and that's what so many do. Oh, wow. Things are changing. Boy, we better, oh, we better change pay instead of having an actual plan. And that plan can be asking the question. That plan could be having 12 different options. That plan could be anything you want, but it's a plan and all things operate better from a plan. But yes. how many people have no plan at all when it comes to incentivizing the people that work for them? And again, the people who listen to the podcast, some of them are, are very cultured and very savvy. I listen to some really amazing shop owners and other ones I just got off a Facebook posting two days or three days ago and he just, he couldn't get a tech. And everybody said the same thing. What's your labor rate? 90 bucks. And this is in the greater Toronto area, which is insane. So he, he Facebook messaged me back and he said, I went to $130. Thank you. And I said, that's only one piece of the puzzle. And I said, now you have so many other pieces to pay attention to. Now you got them. How do you retain them? How do you lock them down? Yeah. Incentive pay plans, spin it a different way. It's a lockdown program. How do we, how are we locking this person down to love us, hug us and hold us for a while? And I agree, Dave, that we want to put long-term plans in place. But we used to live in 10-year goal plan worlds, and I think we live in a three-year world nowadays. So, you know, sometimes people are like skateboards. We ride them for as long as we can, and, and we enjoy the, the companionship that we've had. And then, again, you have a plan if they exit the company to go to the next person. But um, having employees stick around for 10, 15, 20 years, I see that less and less. We just need to deal with it. I am so inspired by this discussion in the last 15 minutes. I got to put up a Facebook post that the most recent one that came up, there's no name on it. It's just a Facebook user. Where am I going and who's coming with me? The answers to those questions will save your life and your business. You know, it's so funny. I, I talk to shop owners who are, and their proverbial time, they don't have any time. And I ask him, why is that? He goes, well, it's because, my, you know, my people are going here. My people are going here. My, and, I, and I'm their leader. <laughs> and there go my people. <laughs> you know, they got a hat with three different bills and going in different directions because they're reacting in their business. Well, what's fair market value? I'm going to react to the marketplace. I'm not going to create what's in my heart. I'm not going to create what's in my vision. And a lot of shop owners, they don't even have a vision. Before you write an incentive plan, what's your vision? Because your incentive plan may not motivate your vision. And if you're not going to have your incentive plan tied into your why, the reason you're put on this planet. It's funny, at ETE, the interesting topic came up. I was in the Sustainable Cash Flow 101, where we introduced the very robust labor calculator, three-hour class, and about an hour and a half into it, a younger shop guy, and for me, when it being 60 two years young. Somebody's in their forties is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he raises his hand. He goes, Dave, how much money is too much? And I went, Oh, yeah, that's the perfect question for this class. Before I said, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to give you some things to think about. I don't know if I can answer that, but I'll give you some things to think about how many else in this class. And there's a class of about 30, a little over 30 people. How many others in this class are like, I'm making really good money. How much is too much? Do I keep charging? Do I keep raising my prices? How much is too much? And I said, that question needs to be, should only be answered by your why. Why are you put on this planet? Why are you here? Are you leaving a, a legacy, not just a Subaru? <laughs> are you leaving a legacy behind? And I said, a lot of us have a five, 10 year plan. What's your 300 year plan? 
What are you setting up in a trust fund? Well, it's not about the money. I don't need the money. Okay, great. Go down to a third world country, watch a child die in the street and tell me it's not about the money. We were put on this planet to create. It's our job to create abundance. Some of us do it more than others. Some of us who are like myself, broken off scarcity thinking. In the midst of coaching abundance thinking, I can't tell you, when I coach somebody in abundance thinking, I got one finger pointing at them, I got three back at me. Oh, Dave, where's your, where are you limited in this? I love coaching because it helps me grow. But in that mindset, if your incentive plan is not tied into your vision that you're casting, if you don't resonate at a level 10 plus on your own vision, you're going to have a hard time motivating employees. Incentive out or not, you're not going to create the culture that was there. In that Facebook post, you will not know where you're going and you won't know how to lead your people where you're at. I think you set a great foundation, uh, incentives and division, vision. And dis- I just love where this went. Bonuses, uh, you know, people may confuse bonuses, Dave, and or incentives. Could we kind of maybe from your perspective, crystal clear that a little bit? Yeah. And you want to be really careful using the language bonus or incentive because the employee may experience a different tax in your state. I know in California, if you call it a bonus, there's a tax level, it's an incentive, it's different. So be really clear as you use your language, get with your legal advisors on what makes sense. A bonus is meant to be, in a sense, the cherry on top. It's meant to be the the fluff in life. Bonuses make more sense than what we talked about, the why. The bonus may be for that person, it could be on hours produced. It could be for an advisor, hours for a parrot. It could be five-star reviews. It could be so many different factors. What you want to find out is if you put an incentive plan, plan in place, what have I done to make that incentive even or that result we want even palatable. I would say when you, especially for advisors and techs, why is it being a tech here? Hey, we have these tools and equipment. We have these kind of, we have 13 different scanners. You know what? We have, um, and now working with service intelligence, well, we have a system where we can predict the maintenance on a car. So advisors don't need to go do and prep and repair it for a long time. And a techs don't need to re-inspect things that we already know we've done them in the past. We don't need to do them again other than a visual inspection. We have so many things in place. We bring training to you, which means once a year, we close our shop down one to two days or we close a shop down and we put you all on a plane because I got some shops in California that fly up to Seattle for ETE. They take the whole team up there. And why do they do that? Because it became profitable where they could do that. But to answer your question, I've got Excel spreadsheets. Um, I'm kind of an Excel junkie. You know, I go to Excel, you know, rehab. <laughs> um, but part of that is every everything we do in a shop has an ROI and it's best based on GP dollars, not sales. It's gross profit dollars. The parts paid for, tech's paid for, sublets paid for, what's left over now. And in particular in tech, you know, I sold it for a certain labor dollar amount. I'm going to pay them amount. There's a step one calculation that I'll give it to you. I'm going to give it to you audibly. If you want a 74% labor GP, okay, on your highest paid tech, take the 74% minus it from 100, what do you have left over? 26, right? 26%. So take that $40, divide it by 0.26 or 26%. That's your labor rate to be at 74% on that. That's not a secret formula, but I don't see too many other people in the industry using it. It's pretty simple. Okay, that's the starting point. And you may get like $170, $180 labor rate for what that looks like. Okay, great. But now what else should be in your labor rate? There's some books out there in language. The title isn't exactly what they say inside, but one of them is, you know, leaders eat last. I disagree. You get paid first, which means in my labor rate, I want a 20, 25% net profit. So of that labor, I want 25% of that. That's reserved for me as a shop owner. My name's on the building. I'm at risk. I have the highest liability here and a workman's worth of the wages. I totally believe in that core value. So I'm going to make sure that's in there. Okay, well, annually, I do $20,000 worth of pay. I pay a tax for courtesy reliability. I don't get paid for that. But in reality, put that 20000 divided by your RO count and we use our calculator. It comes down to like a buck 89 or two bucks um, out of that hour. Anyway, you reserve all those out of, so now you're profitable, but you put in, you know what, if our industry is heading towards 50 to $60, 70 an hour guys, put that in there, find out what your labor rate should be. And guess what? I get the consumer issue of things and the consumer is going to have to feel they're not driving vehicles. They're driving high tech pieces of machinery, computerized machinery. This is not 
the 1960s and 70s and a little bit into the 80s, but, but this is different. And it takes more to drive that $50,000, $75,000 high-tech piece of machinery. I was at a diesel shop in Spokane recently, and some and they're looking at price of new diesels. Duly, fully loaded, and the rest of those, man, you're over hundred grand for a pickup to go from point A to point B to haul or tow something. That's a lot. Coming back to the bonuses can be based on, I've got some shops that do this, consistency bonus. Hey, if you do 50 hours for two weeks in a row, you get another two bucks. You do it three weeks in a row, you get another four bucks. You do it five weeks in a row, you get five bucks. And if you break the cycle, you got to start over again. You know, up to $5 an hour more, it builds in a consistency bonus. It wasn't my idea. A shop owner did it. I was like, that's brilliant. One of the ideas I got is I wanted to incentivize for people who want to stay long. And that means, you know, for every month they work for me, they get 10 bucks a month, you know, and I put a cap on it. Scarcity thinking. If I had a shop again, I'd take the cap off. I love where this is going. So to reward the people that are listening this far, let's throw these ideas out because I I think as Carlo mentioned earlier, you're listening, Carlo, you're picking an idea. So if we can throw a bunch of these ideas out, it may help shop owners out there saying, oh, I had never thought of doing something like that. Brian, uh, any any crazy ideas? Not crazy, but any good ideas that you could share with us? So for me, I always come back to a question of, you know, what's my intent with it, right? If I'm going to modify your pay, what is my intent? And the challenge that sometimes I have is if that pay modification can change, is there a possible intent that could go the other direction too? I, I'm a little more controlled on it. Um, I'm a little bit more sedentary in that way because just because it has one positive aspect, you have to remember the negative consequence can be there too. So in Dave's case, so I build up this, I build up this week after week, and now I'm up to five dollars extra an hour, and I lose it. How does that affect my me mentally just after that? And you have to have the right people, you know. So so I'm not saying Dave's wrong in any way, shape, or form because I, I think it's a great plan. I just think oftentimes as owners we get excited about adding to the pay. Our intention is to create a better community in, in where we work. I want it to be as positive as it can possibly be. Now, if there's a chance we're going to lose an incentive that comes in and it's going to be on one of my A players, the negative repercussion of that scares me. So when I build my stuff, I try and make sure that they're all, they're all very, if you're going to get it, it's most of my stuff is based on a pure flat rate model. It's based on gross profit dollars. It's based on a team. It's based on singular. So there's a lot of ads. It's not in a way that you're going to lose it one and not another, or it builds and then you lose. And for example, we missed our, uh, our gross profit in March by, I think it was $50. You know, as an owner, now you have to, you have to make a choice, right? They got that close within an inch. Do you pay it or do you not? And, and those are the types of things that make or break you. I prefer to think about that. You know, there's great ideas to toss out there, but before you implement an idea, understand what the negative consequence can be if something goes wrong with your plan, you know, and, and Dave, I know you, you're a math guy. Every one of yours, you, you build it out to the far extreme. Is it good for them? Is it good for me? How good can I make it for them? And, and that's what I look at first. How much can I pay out and still make the number that I'm targeting? How am I going to make my 25% net profit at the end of the month? I'd love to make more than that. But at the same time, how can I make sure I pay them as much as I can and, and do that. So, so I, I'm less about the, the littles. I'm about figuring it out in the, in the large balance, you know, and I, I love adding tool stipends. I love adding a, a cash bonus because we, we killed it and it's all written out beforehand. Again, I go back to what Carlos said about having the plan. I sit down and figure out, here's my target. Here's what I can pay out max on that target. Now I go back, I create modifiers. I look at my GP percentage for each one because the business still has to win. So the business is going to win at its bare minimum 20% net. Okay, so it's going to win at its 20% net. Now, what can we pay on top of that? So we win, the employees win. Now, business loses, do the employees lose too? So now I'm constantly building my metrics to look at it that way. The employee doesn't lose, they just don't earn. They don't win as, they don't win as much. If I made, you know, we'll say 10 grand in one period of time and the next one I make six, does that employee feel like he won or lost? Well, and that depends on how it's teed up. And the I, if I is, agree. You know, as a seventh level black belt codependent person, I used to be, <laughs> that I didn't want anybody to feel any kind of pain at all. Oh, I'm going to pay that extra 50 bucks. Oh, you got close, you know. And, and I had to learn that I cheated them out of their personal growth 
when yeah. I gave him a trophy for just showing up. And, and it doesn't, the burner has got to be hot. Carlos learned this over the years as well. If you get, if you cross that line and compromise once, you've now set the culture. It's okay to compromise you. And how you do one thing, how you do everything. Well, you compromise there. What about here? Can you give there? And now you got givers and takers, and you mostly they're taking, and you end up giving. Even more though, the rules aren't effective. And if you said it was here and you and you took it away, now now nothing you say has any exactly. has any exactly. any fact to it. When we're thinking about incentive pay plans, we as owners are talking right now about these plans, and we do this and we do this. So for those owners who are listening, a again, my notes are, and this is how I run my shop. You want to put an incentive pay plan in. It's like Dave said: one finger pointing forward, three fingers pointing back. Do you communicate their hours? how they achieve their goals. Is your software management system accessible to the technician? You know, we got all these wonderful, oh, I'm going to go back and do this incentive and this bonus and this bonus. And the guys don't even know how to calculate it or do it themselves. It's just a a paycheck at the end of the week. So we, as owners, come up with all these crazy, wonderful schemes for incentive plans, and the employee doesn't even know how to watch it. And again, I speak for myself, guys. There are so many shop owners with so overly complicated incentive or bonus programs. As an employee, I've checked out. Just give me my paycheck at the end of the week, at the end of the month, and it's not an incentive anymore. It's just pay. Yep. What does the employee do? I, again, in my shop, each week they go to the software. We have two different software platforms. This is where we need to be. It's Monday morning at 8 o'clock. At Friday at 5, this is where you need to be. And it runs real time. Secondly, here's another piece of our software and our management system. This is where you are today, this week, this month, this quarter. This is how you're rolling for the year, buddy. And we teach them to watch themselves because all these incentive ideas we come up with aren't going to work if we, the owner, are pushing it down versus as the team, they need to look at it and want it. Not, not us just constantly throwing more bait. So the overlying thing of an incentive pay idea for a technician you got to have tools that they can look at and understand. And if I need an Excel spreadsheet or a calculator to figure out <laughs> what my incentive plan is, I'm out. It's a keep it simple, stupid program. Everything that we incentivize off, off of should have a direct KPI that you monitor, that yes. they can see all the time. And That's easy. what you're saying, right? we gotta, yes. we got to keep it keep simple. It simple. I, I, yeah. I struggled for the longest time listening to podcasts, training and it's like okay well you get a two dollar bump and a five dollar bump and an eight dollar bump and this and as technicians when you when i do the hiring one of the questions is tell me about some of your pay programs that you had oh it was complex i just wanted my paycheck incentive pay plan number one let's keep it simple if i'm listening to this podcast i'm listening how do i keep it simple carlo i'm a two-man shop or i could be a 20-man shop how do i keep it simple and i'm telling shop owners keep it simple the more complicated you get it there's one guy on staff who's the genius in math and the other runs are just like, as long as I get my paycheck at the end of the year. The other thing with incentive pay plans, give them some freedom. You know, we have pay plans that are on a, on a weekly basis. They're on an incentive program or on a monthly. Stuff's going to happen. It's going to be a slow month. So they're not incent- it's not an incentive plan anymore. They went on vacation, all that. Yeah, it's a dis. I'm not taking vacation. Yeah. Oh, we have so this wonderful it. vacation plan, but sorry, I can't take vacation because I won't make my bonus, my incentive, my blah, blah, blah that month. Okay, so we talk about as owners, we need to think three and five and 10 years. Well, what are we telling our employee? We need you to think in a weekly, in a, in a biweekly or no, no, like make it a quarter, make it a six month program if you're going to run stuff because they're going to get sick. So just like we talked about, if we're short, so many hours if on a program the guy gets sick his dog dies and he wants a day off for it and but he's going to be short on his hours so you're going to penalize him for that because he was short that month is our incentive program working or was it a disincentive because now we don't give him freedom in life when we talk incentive programs don't just look at it on a weekly bi-weekly a they need tools to see it and when you need to keep it simple when Carm asked before, hey, toss out some ideas. Yeah, we talked about tools today, benefits. Benefit plans are, I said, an expectation. But what about critical illness? They're not dead, so they're in between, and their family still needs to get taken care of. So what about a critical illness program for some of those key people? Health spending accounts for juniors. So you don't get a benefit plan, but you get a health spending account. What do you want to do with inside or outside? 
we talk about paid vacations, and I mean pay the vacation, you know, as an incentive program. So we do our one-on-one, we hire them. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I've got two kids and my husband and wife. And oh, where have you traveled? Oh, we don't really travel. Where would you like to travel? I'd love to go to Italy. Perfect. Can we make that an incentive program? Tell me more about that. Well, I'm going to pay 50% of your entire family to go to Italy, flight and the whole meal deal in two years from now. Would that incentivize you to want to work here? I have his attention. I also have his wife and kids' attention too. Yeah. And what's it going to cost? 10000 over a two-year period? Do you mean to tell me as an owner, if we have all our tools in place, we can't make ten grand? Heck, you can pay that in air miles. Now we're talking long-term incentive programs, non-monetary. So again, it's not necessarily dollars and cents on a paycheck, but it's part of that. Incentive programs for their spouses. Maybe it's a stay-at-home mom. You know, she's taking care of the kids. Why does pay have to go to him? Why can't pay go to her? On the vacation pay too, you know, and I ran this in the, in the, when I was in a dealership realm, Texas wouldn't want to take the vacation. I'd take a, two, a three to $4 pay cut, you know, and I, and I took it to my owner, Chuck Olson, and he said, yeah, that's not fair. And so what we did is we went back the last 12 months and got broke it down into what did they make with their bonus incentive averaged it down to an hourly wage. That's what we're going to pay you on vacation. I want your vacation to be a lift. And by the way, here's a $500 gas card. And today that might get you around the block, but, <laughs> but, but you know, the, and then we also had a team bonus. And Brian brought up a point. It's not just individual. You can't have a great team unless you have great individuals. You can't have great individuals unless you have great team. It, they go hand in hand. They do a dance like the front and the back of your hand. You can't separate them. And so we had a team bonus, which was like, and three techs, we had a $900 team bonus. We hit our, our, shop hours at that goal, you hit a hundred percent, you got a hundred percent of that $900 bonus. You hit, and it started at 90%. You got to hit 90%. You hit 90%. You get say 91%. You got 91% of 900 on the flip side. There's no cap. It took started. That's when I started busting through taking off limiting beliefs. You know what? You hit 110% of that, you get 110% of a 900. 120%, you get 120%. So I just didn't put a, a solid, unfixed number. It's like, you do better than that, you get more than that. It was truly about breaking off scarcity thinking and going into an abundance mindset. There's a whole bunch of different incentives. You know, like in my shop, you were there 10 years, you got four weeks of vacation. You know what? Instead of being, hey, you hit this hour level, guess what? You get a day off paid at your at your calculated wage with bonuses in. People want time off. You know, another bonus, and I get, there's a little bit of expectation, but Carlos book was the truth. I expect to have medical. I expect to have this. Did you expect that you get it for your family? In my shop, we paid for the family. And it's like, who does that? I had a file drawer full of technicians wanting to work at Dave's Auto Repair because word got out that we had a very lucrative incentive and benefit plan. Here's the way some of that word got out. This wasn't my idea. I heard another shop owner do it. So whenever somebody's applying, hey, you know what? We are really team oriented here. We have a team culture and we want to make sure this is a good fit for you and a good fit for us. So I need the, I need the names of the three of the best technicians you've ever worked with. And I need the name of three of the best advisors you've ever worked with. Now, what do you have? <laughs> hey, this is Dave from Days Auto Repair. I'm just calling, you know, Bill wants to apply this job here. And this is the kind of, you know, shop we have. We have these kind of benefits, these kind of things. We want to make sure that's a good fit for him. And I've literally had people say, you don't want to hire him. You want to hire me. And I started prospecting in that aspect. I love that idea. And I encourage shops to do that now. Get it to the point where your incentive plan should be filling your drawer full of tech apps that want to come work for you. I've also had shops that we help in the hiring process. When we hire, we have a unique assessment process. We did a show, um, Carla was part of that too, where we have top performer patterns for every position. So when I hire that young individual, what's their future? I have a succession planning top performer pattern that they would be a core natural fit to. We do that beforehand. Building your incentive plan, it helps in the interview process with that Carla's talking about. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What's, what's in the motivation for you? You know, do you always want to be a tech? Do you always want to be an advisor? You know, I know that, hey, you know what? Someday I don't have anybody right now that wants to buy my shop. We have a top performer sh- shop owner pattern. So we're looking at junior lube tech coming in, apprentice tech. He may be a 90% match for a shop owner. This is a guy that maybe you want to groom over the next five to seven years and be part of your exiting strategy. You can know that in the hiring process. 
just amazing, amazing stuff. And I've heard uh, ideas here that I've never heard before. So I think we really did kind of push the thinking envelope here. And oh, by the way, we want to come back. You know, you know, Dave brought these ideas, you know, that the production system in the business are the technicians and the selling systems the service advisors and of course the management system are the managers and we want to come back we want to talk about uh, service advisors and managers down the road maybe we'll maybe get you back in about six weeks we'll do another discussion like this and I just think we'll just keep building on it and and I think these would be great episodes to help motivate our shop owners I think if I had to put a bow on it I would say the very first thing you do is understand your business create a plan once you've, once you've understood, once you create a plan, know what you can afford. And, and that's talking about all, all aspects of it. And, you know, Carlos said it great when it's, what are the expected things that come in the business? And, and it's critical. Are you going to provide all of the benefits? Are you going to create the tools? Are you going to put all those things in there? Creating that plan first. Once you're done, keep it simple. Make it to where they're able to see where they are all the time. It points back to the KPI that you know matters. You know, in our case, it's total labor hours sold per tech, and, and they can dial it back down so they know where they are and then pay off of that and, and make sure it's consistent. One thing we didn't mention, and I, I think this is the, the one of my peeves, is so often I hear from people, if we're feeling pain, we think everybody should feel the pain. Now, there's lots of ways to have this discussion, right? And, and I'm not going to say right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm going to say for me, I, that's not one of the things that I personally believe. Um, I do believe if people are working for me, they have a certain level that they've come in the door at. And then I provide incentives off of all of, off on top of that. So they, they at least have a base expectation that they're at. And, and to me, that's the starting point. So understand your numbers, keep it simple, create a plan and then make sure everybody knows how to execute on that plan. Love it. Brian Kelly, Valley Automotive uh, Electric, uh, Covington, Washington. Thank you for taking time out. I know you're in a hotel room with bad Wi-Fi. You're at a, a retreat. So thank you so much, Carlo. One of the big takeaways I had, teach to watch themselves. That is just huge. Your last word, my friend. I like to listen to these podcasts and, and scribble notes and go, I got something good out of this. And, and when if I was listening to this, it would be one size doesn't fit all for an incentive yeah. playpen, guys. Yeah. You need to, as an owner, talk with the employee and come up with the incentive pay plan together. It could have multiple programs. Then you need, as an owner, to be accountable to have the data to show them and they can watch themselves. Whether they want to or not, you've shown them. They need to be accountable for, for that incentivized program, not just expect it as a paycheck. And then you better darn well stand behind it. If you can't keep it together and you can't manage it, it's no longer a program. It's actually, I'm looking for a job somewhere else and keep it simple. Last year, 2022 is the first year I did a full net profit back to billable hours incentive program based on a year. It is the highest, most productive best year I've ever had in the history of the company. And it's the guys at the counter on Friday night at five o'clock, actually technically three, they start driving the bus to make it happen. And it's not me. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Carlo Sills Complete Auto, Auto Care in Oakville, Ontario. Now, Carlo, I don't know if you have any openings up there. And I know I have a, like a 90-minute commute one way. But I really, really want to go to Italy really bad. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Dave. So many good points. And how you you put a final bow on a topic that never has a final bow. And I think part of it is get the ship moving, course correct as you go along the way. And you don't have to do it alone. And I'm not talking about, you know, a coach is great. You know, we have unique coaching packages and that. You've got a coach called Remarkable Results Radio. You've got podcasts. You've got associations. If you're not part of an association and you're not going, okay, who's who's the winner? Who's the success here? Oh, what do you do for incentive plans? We could talk for eight weeks and never touch on all the possibilities of incentive plans. When it comes down to it, though, I'll, I'll end with this. It's about your why. Why are you on this planet? And where have you put that limit? So, well, you know, uh, gosh, if I make a million bucks, I'm doing good. Well, really, because another guy might hate 10 million. Well, that might be greed for that for the other person. You need to have a good understanding of your why 
and understand what is it that you're put on this planet? What's your 300-year plan? And how does your incentive plan to all your employees, how does that fulfill that? And if you're having and owning a shop and you're just unlocking the door day in and day out and don't know your why, you're going to have a hard time attracting passionate people that will do a little bit what Carlos got going on is it's kind of self-run. Hey, the technicians are driving this, not me. The advisors are driving this, not me. If you're having to push, pull, or drag your business, then your incentive plan, I can tell you right now, is not working. Your people should show up to the point where you're almost creating a culture of ownership. They want the business to succeed because it means the team, the customer wins. When it comes down to it, your customers want you to have the best techs, the best technology, the best training. They want you to have the best of the best. They're the ones dictating you have a 50 to $70 an hour guy. They're the ones dictating you have incentive plans that that tech will be there year in and year out for them and not go away. Your customers want high incentive plans. Do they vocalize they don't want to pay that much? That's a different issue. But they want the best of the best because they want peace of mind. And if your incentive plan is not going to create peace of mind for your customers, you're already disconnected from your why. Wow. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. Uh, Dave Shadeen, CEO, coach and mentor. Copy truck automotive solutions uh off the charts guys thank you thank you so much we'll do it again have a great weekend wow we're out i could listen to you guys uh, for another hour but i have a question guys carlos sits down with me and says we're going to make that trip to italy in two years happen and and it's a team incentive it's a team bonus does the rest of my team know that that's my incentive that type of a program would be based upon that individual. So like in my shop, everybody is individually uh, incentivized and team. It gets rid of the, well, if I work hard and that guy just doesn't want to work so hard on Friday, you know, we solve the problem. Then no problem. Then as a team, we all share. That includes the guy vacuuming, cleaning and everything else. Uh, and then when we do the vacation type uh, mindsets, it just comes down to a dollars and cents. It's just, what does it cost? Work it backwards. There's some math involved. Um, you work it backwards and away you go. There is no, well, how come you're doing that for tech A and how come I'm tech B? There is none of that. We discussed it when we hired you. You have a different program. Well, I want to change my, oh, so you want to change for what we talked about then? No problem. You wanted a car. Money is is just an object that buys stuff. Mm. I can shift the money wherever I want to go and higher and lower. And when we talk about keep it simple, if you're off buy an hour on your sold hours to the target, you don't get it. And it's a written piece of paper you signed off on. You said you're going to do it. So don't ask me to be a friend at the last minute and say, well, I'm short. Trust me, you had 11 months to make an... (laughs) My my program only comes once a year, December 31st at midnight when I close the time clocks. That's when all the magic happens. So, and it's enough like this year, I had to open up a separate bank account just to hold the money because everybody's going to hit their targets way above what I thought. Okay, no big deal. It's only money. Trust me, I've made mine. If they hit the targets, it's great. But if it's written and signed, we signed an agreement. Well, I was sort of close and here's the excuses. There's no excuses. You had the, t- <laughs> you had, you had the tools. I trained you, did you not? Here's the software. This is what you do. We have meetings every Monday and Friday. It's taught in our management group. Every Monday, every Friday, we have meetings. Anybody got any questions? I'm not hitting my hours. Let's teach you. I give you ample opportunity. Dave's the best one. My guys know every Monday and Friday, this is what happens, wherever it is. You know, it's interesting, Carlo, because what I talked about at the end there is that, that consequence piece. And as long as you're not the owner that looks at that as consequence, because there's so many owners that actually look to punish their employees. That's where a lot of what I was talking about comes from is I saw a lot of that and I still see it. And, and it's this belief that if the business is feeling pain, they should feel pain too. They signed up for a job to work for you. They didn't sign up to own the business and feel your pain. Isn't that, what, so many, isn't that, isn't that what flat rate is, Brian? My pain should be your pain. If I'm, if I'm not getting any sold hours, then you shouldn't get any sold hours. Flat rate, uh, again, uh, that's a whole different yeah. topic, but flat rate is that's the, that's the, the belief, evil right? of our evil of our business. The flat rate. Oh, the flat, oh the gosh, flat. I love this. This is a conversation yeah. we should have. So, a lot of people say that, but it's the culture around flat rate that has yeah. been broken for a yes. long time. Not the not the structure itself. The yeah. culture around it is, and it's what I just described and what you're and what you're pointing out. That's what's yeah. broken. We don't take care of our technicians, and hence we don't have them. But we also pay a piecemeal type system that 
it's exactly that. I, if I hurt, you should hurt. That's the pain. Yeah. And, people, and that's, a, that's, that. that's a viewpoint of flat rate that you could have, but yeah. here's another viewpoint. If I hurt and you shouldn't hurt, I don't want, I don't want to see you in pain because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Now it's running my business, my own personal comfort. I don't want to see yeah. you in pain. You shouldn't suffer. You know what? That, that bodes on the thinking of, well, life isn't fair. Who said it had to be fair? Where was it ever written that life has to be fair? You know, life needs to be burners hot. How do you think we grow? We don't grow unless we have an obstacle. Hey, you know what? Ours sucked this week, okay? Again, finger back. What did we do? What was our marketing place? We had them in place. Yep, we got our system in place. Yeah. And so it all starts with this. At the interview process that Carlo talked about, and we've you know, drilled this into Carlo, is you bring it up at the beginning and you get a commitment to it. And there's a commitment and there's a bit of security in a base foundation of an incentive plan. But then the lucrative of the incentive plan is based on commitment. Can you be that 12 hours a day guy? Can you be that consistently? What do you need to do that? And what's your commitment? If you can't keep your commitment, what are you going to do? How am I going to be informed? How's the team going to be informed? They need your help. Not a codependent help. Not, you know, I'm going to give you the poor puppy dog look incentive plan. <laughs> you know, I know I know this was a podcast because I remember listening to it. So I know Carm's got it. Flat rate versus hourly or something like that. It was probably about a year or two ago. Both sides of the party had very good points made. It's like, oh my God. I mean, it's so apropos to bring it back and to teach some of the new listeners that have joined the show who probably won't go back th- three or four years to listen to something and put it up and out. We got to do flat rate versus hourly again. Did you see how many technicians were actually listening? We need technicians on this panel. We, we do. Need technicians. Yeah. We want high performer technicians. Have an apprentice tech on there. What is it you're looking for? And, and you have you got Matt, and he's got his own little, and he talks like they have some really. I think it was like a part one, two, three, four series of technicians. They had some really good tech talk conversations. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. We have recently did a, done an episode with Matt Fonslow, actually, on uh, ABC Technician. It was a great episode. What's ABC mean? Diagnostician, great mechanical person, the, the, the gravy guy. Oh, oh so I want to hire an A tech. Well, that must mean the guy in the lab coat. No, I really need an A mechanical. I took the transcript of that episode. I printed it out so that one night I can highlight this and try to figure something out that says, how do we get a grassroots discussion going and change the way we give designations to our people? And then I did an episode that hasn't been released on the new ASEL4 test, which is the ADAS. But you have to have A6. And I'm thinking... Whoa, because the industry said we can't have somebody who's a good test taker go out and become a, an L4 ADAS calibration certified specialist if he didn't know anything about electrical. Here's a real life experience. When I was working in a dealership and Chevrolet, to be in a Chevrolet accredited service manager, you have to fulfill training hours. And so I hired a tech from Eastern Washington over to Gig Harbor, Washington, when I was at Olson Brothers. John had taken... He was a Buick Master Tech, a Pontiac Master Tech, a Cadillac Master Tech, and a Chevrolet Master Tech. He had had all those levels. And back then, those quantified in, in GM were like an A8, A1, A6. You were a master in one area, not like an ASC master is you passed everything. So he fulfilled every retraining requirement. He'd been to almost every electrical, advanced drivability, air conditioning, everything. But he was he liked to specialize in AC. So I hired him and I started him at a really robust wage. This was like 25, 30 years ago. Started him at 35 bucks an hour. He'd been in the industry for four years. After two days of working with him, I pulled him in my office and I said, John, I did you a disservice. I hired you at too much. You're an apprentice tech. I don't know how to say it any different. That last AC job that you just diagnosed, it took you an hour and a half to diagnose it. That's a point three diagnose. What did you do? Well, I used the book. I said, you're book smart, but you're not car smart. And so as we classify technicians as ABC level techs, I've done it a unique one. I've got technicians I go to and he, oh, he's a, he's a master level tech. I go, okay, is he an A-level tech? Well, what does that mean? Well, he's a decent human being and he can produce hours. 
with very little comebacks. So I don't care if the guy can diagnose anything on this planet, but if it takes him an hour and a half when it can be done in 0.3 to 0.5, you have some emotional issues with that guy. So my my little grassroots thing, will some of these great ideas be motivation enough for people to start talking about it? And how do you start, you know, and again, I'm trying to think of, do I have a role? Could I bring on enough people that says, I listen to the podcast, you're right, this is what we have to do. So that some people bring this on as culture and constitution inside their business, and slowly there's a wave that starts to happen. I think what you're doing is grassroots. I think what you're doing mm-hmm. is is literally putting that flavor out there and you're doing it in a robust manner. You know, anybody who's put out as many episodes as you have, you're putting it out there in mass context. You're delivering and delivering and delivering. People get referred to you. People are said, hey, watch these. And that is grassroots. You know, so what that takes on top of it is the ability for others to also share what you're putting out there, right? I think Carlo said that himself. What does he do? He listens to them constantly. He's in, put them into his business. He's put, he's put those bricks in place. And, and, that's, and that's what you start to see is owner after owner who's using those bricks, putting them in. You may have a thought there. You know, you, you bring on guys just like you guys. Says, okay, you give me one idea that you've implemented that you got from it. And maybe we can teach people not just to listen, but to listen and do something with what they learn. You're talking about what's the tangible mechanism I can take away, go implement this day, this week, this month. What's something I can take away and go do? Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. Thank you.